Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted, you should listen to all of the episodes as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.collegeadmissionstalk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today, Samantha Rose Sinclair, who is the Assistant Director of Admissions at Georgia Tech. Samantha, good morning, and thank you so much for being with us today. Good morning. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you again for being here. I can't wait to hear about Georgia Tech. So let's get right to it and ask you to tell us about yourself, Samantha. How long have you been at admissions and how did you end up in such a position? Sure. Uh, so thank you so much for having me today. I Let's see. We'll go all the way back. I graduated from the University of Connecticut. Um, that was Sunday, May 10th, 2015. And my interview for what went on to be my first admission role was less than 24 hours later on Monday, May 11th. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the professional world of college admissions is really all I've known um, for the past, I guess that'd make it seven years or so now, um, in all I've worked for three public institutions, and Georgia Tech has been my home for the longest, so for about the past five years here, um, in a few different positions, but most recently over the past year now in my role as the Assistant Director of Admission and Digital Media um, for our office. And so I like to say to folks that I work with students as applicants, uh, still reviewing files, but then also on their phones, um, managing really all of our like digital and social properties, our video content, um, and then our own podcast as well. Uh, so I'm sure this has been said uh, many times before in terms of like, how did you end up in this position? But I know most folks don't go to college <laughs> expecting that they're going to work with other students, finding their way to college, right? Um, but I think for me, my degree was in psychology. My love in the broadest sense has always been working with people. And so, you know, when you ask how one ends up in that position, it really ends up being a, a natural fit that I get to work with students every day. Well, that's terrific. Thank you so much for that intro. So I know that Georgia Tech is known as the premier tech university of the South. But Samantha, <laughs> tell us, what is it about Georgia Tech that makes it so appealing for so many students to want to apply and ultimately attend? 
Oh, goodness. Good question. Um, I think what makes the appeal uh, and identity of Georgia Tech so strong is that today um, we are still in every sense who we were created to be. And I know no one John was expecting a history lesson here, but humor me for just a second. <laughs> so Georgia Tech was founded Absolutely. in 1886 and really as a catalyst to bring the South into the new progressive industrialized era, right? And so as an institution, we've always, we were built to have a commitment not only to innovative learning, um, but to providing opportunities for students to immediately apply that learning um, to create change in the world around them. And so today we offer 36 majors, liberal arts, design, science, business, computing, and engineering I think I got all of them there, um, all as Bachelor <laughs> of Science degrees. And I know for a lot of folks listening and as they're looking at different schools, that might actually be on the smaller end of lists and numbers of majors, um, but that's really intentional. Uh, so what we've decided is that we're not necessarily going to be all things to all people. So instead, we're going to capitalize on our strengths, right, and bring both size and quality within those 36 degree programs. And actually, many of our programs are the largest of their kind in the country. So that means, for example, um, we consistently graduate among the most minority engineers of any school in the country um, and also graduate the most women engineers of any school in the country, period. Um, and so a minute ago, I mentioned that our roots were in students being able to immediately apply what they're learning. And I know this is what's super appealing to students and what I geek out and love to talk about too, um, <laughs> because there's so, so much opportunity there. And so research, for example, about 40% of our undergraduate students are participating or leading in research. Um, they might explore work experience. So Georgia Tech has been creating partnerships with companies for over 100 years that students can leverage wow. for internships or co-ops. Um, and actually, our co-op program is the largest voluntary co-op program in the country. Uh, when I say voluntary, I don't mean that students are like volunteering their time. No, no, it's 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 <laughs> a, these are paid positions, but um, it's not required for graduation. And so any of the things that I'm talking about here are voluntary and participation and based on students' interests, they can mix and match what they want to do. Um, another example of that is students are disproportionately studying abroad with the majority, so over half having an international experience prior to graduation. And then, of course, some of my favorite things to talk about are how students explore their own creative projects. And so we're home to the largest student-run makerspace in the country, um, which is free and available for all students to use every major, right? And then they can also develop their ideas in incubators, accelerator programs. There's this really cool one that folks can check out called CreeX, um, which not only offers students the opportunity to earn credit through coursework focusing on entrepreneurship, but they can even launch their own fully functioning startup before graduating. So since 2014, wow. there's been about 300 startups that have come out of this program, um, collectively valued at $1.4 billion. Um, wow, and then finally, <laughs> there's 
Isn't that amazing? There's also, you know, if that's not so much your gig, if you're the student who likes to kind of compete with your ideas, there's some really cool stuff happening in that space too. And I'll just wrap up quickly here with my favorite, which is the Inventor Prize. Um, it's an Emmy Award winning, almost like Shark Tank. I'm sure you're familiar with that. <laughs> Very um, much so. <laughs> competition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel like it's always on TV, right? So for for the Inventor Prize, um, Students, teams of students present their invention to panel of expert judges um, live in a televised audience for a shot at a first place prize, um, which is $20,000 in a U.S. patent filing. Um, So I don't know that I've scratched the surface um, of academic, applied academic programs, but hopefully that gives like a high level sense of some of the things going on here. Well, thank you so much for that introduction. And no wonder so many students, again, want to apply and ultimately attend because you provide so many real world opportunities, both inside of your classrooms and beyond. So that's a terrific introduction, Samantha. Thank you so much. Many students and their parents have actually reached out suggesting I ask about life on campus. What can you tell us about life on campus outside of the classroom? Sure. So This is actually where that history lesson from earlier comes in handy, I think. So one of the great things about our founding in the mid-1800s is that Georgia Tech got to establish our own space in the city um, of Atlanta while it grew up around and with us. And so I know a lot of folks think of us accurately as an urban campus, right, but we're also a traditional college campus with 400 acres of our own contiguous space in Midtown Atlanta. That's really unexpected. Certainly that was unexpected for me um, when I went on campus for the first time. And that's important because with that really well-defined campus environment, it lends itself to a really engaged campus community. So Examples here, we have intramural club, division one sports, um, over 500, I think is the number now, student organizations. And I hope you don't mind me bragging on students because I am just endlessly in awe of them, their organizations, and they're doing the coolest things even for fun. Um, so for example, recently, one of our student organizations, it's called Seed, I think, Seeking Discomfort, right? Trying to, trying to, check out different things and outside of their comfort zone. They created and jumped a 4.2 mile long hopscotch course on campus (laughs) to break the world record. And then another student organization, right? Called the Georgia Tech Filipino Student Organization went like wildly viral for their modernized uh, like Gen Z version of a traditional Filipino dance. So they did it to a Lil Nas X song. They received (laughs) millions of views on TikTok and Facebook and Twitter. Lil Nas X retweeted them, global international news coverage of it. They're so fun. And so all of that world records, world news coverage, that was just last week alone, um, for example. So students are really doing some cool things. Um, For outdoorsy folks, I know that maybe an urban campus, Atlanta is not their first instinct. Hey, fair enough. But recently I was checking out what our outdoor program has been up to lately, and it is really great. They host over 100 day trips for those students who are interested in things like kayaking, hiking, backpacking, those sort of things outside of my wheelhouse, but they are incredible at at getting those things. And then um, 
also leadership and outdoor things on campus and longer treks, um, not only domestically, but also 23 con- uh, countries. And um, they've reached all seven continents. So holy moly, like super comprehensive outdoor program. But then, of course, um, you bring it back home and Atlanta is also very much an extension of our students' experience, student life um, at Georgia Tech as well. And so again, Midtown Atlanta, that means that the city surrounds you in every direction, um, whether you want to take advantage of really incredible arts, culture, theater, shopping, sports. A lot of our students are really interested in the music scene. Um, I'll give a shout out to the Botanical Gardens. That's the first place I ever visited after my interview with Georgia Tech. And then if you want to start a chat with a Georgia Tech student while you're on campus, ask them for food recommendations. And that is like a surefire bet every time because we've got <laughs> lots of great food around us. So students together, they get to explore around campus, Atlanta, beyond. And so really, really vibrant and engaged student life um, at Georgia Tech. Terrific. Well, thank you so much for that explanation. And tell me, Samantha, how many applications do you actually review a year And do you represent a specific region? Sure. Um, So our office really only loosely uses regional territory assignments nowadays. So instead, we generally have larger sections of the country or the world that are reviewed um, by a team or group of admission reviewers. So in my case, I work with students in the North Northeast. Uh, But more specifically, since I've been at Georgia Tech, since we used to have territory assignments that were a little bit more specific, I've maintained a focus um, on working with students in New York and New Jersey uh, in counseling and in review. So However, last year we received almost 5,000 applications from just those from New York and New Jersey. Wow. So they're typically two of our top five non-Georgia states. Mm-hmm. So of course, there's then folks who have to partner with me and I get to read with for reading through those files. So they bring really great perspective to that review as well, with a few of them actually having lived in the area at some point. So while admittedly, I don't know the exact number of students that I reviewed independently, because that's a collaborative effort, um, I was able to take a peek and saw that I submitted a few thousand review forms over the course of this past application cycle. Wow. So it's about a six-month period or so, um, about 3,000. But those forms um, don't represent necessarily unique individual student because each student gets multiple reviews. Um, And so that's right. Academic reviews, committee reviews, deferral reviews, so on and so forth. Got it. Thank you so much. And I know that Georgia Tech, they're huge on engineering, computer science, math, and even architecture. How do the applications differ? For example, do you need to submit a portfolio for any of those majors Again, Samantha, any insight that you could give us would be truly appreciated. Yeah, great question. So while students are going to put a primary and they can even put a secondary major um, on their application, that uh, is not going to be necessarily a major that they're going to be admitted to outright. So students are going to be admitted to Georgia Tech as a whole. What seeing that major allows us to do, it gives us a sense of their interests and maybe where their strengths are and what they intend to do once they get to Georgia Tech. Um, But otherwise, for applicants, the review process and the application process is really going to be the same. I'll put a little asterisk there that there is one college that uh, does accept um, 
portfolios, which you asked about, which is going to be our College of Design. And that's really helpful for students because actually those portfolios are reviewed uh, by their faculty. And there are some majors like music technology where you do need to submit that portfolio and you do need to apply to music technology in order to be able to begin at Georgia Tech in music technology. So that's sort of an exception to the rule, I would say, but otherwise the review process and the application requirements are going to be the same regardless of major. Well, I appreciate that explanation. And by the way, the freshman class they are a happy class, and I could tell you that I read a statistic recently, 97%, 97% of your students returned, which is phenomenal, number one, thanks to the work that you do in admissions, but also thanks to the work that you do as a university to keep the students happy and wanting to come back. So I just wanted to share that statistic. And speaking of the freshman class, can you share with us what is the current profile of the class? So, yes, uh, these are the types of questions that I get asked by students all the time. And I think typically they don't realize how much nuance or fine print um, is involved here. So let me first start in terms of thinking about profile. GPA is often how I get asked about that. Um, that's been like my passion topic for the past year, apparently, because I just wish students knew that not all GPAs are created equal. Uh, there's no such thing as a standardized GPA scale, definitely not globally, uh, but not even from a school system to school system sort of approach nationally either. And so because every school is working with different calculation of weight added to grades, limitation to those weighted courses um, based off of however the school um creates restrictions or enforcements of that, and then, um, you know, so on and so forth for, for any number of reasons. That means on any given day, I can review one school where the valedictorian has a 4.4 and then move on to the next school where a 4.4 is closer to like the middle 50th um, percentile. And so for students, when they're comparing themselves to either the average GPA of a college, right, or GPA from friends from different high schools or ones that they're seeing online, um, more often than not, that's going to be like apples and oranges in comparison, maybe with exception to colleges that recalculate GPAs in the admission profit, process and offer a calculator or scale by which um, you can recalculate your own GPA for comparison. So let me step off that soapbox um, for a second. So just to say that hopefully that's some context to give perspective so that when I say Georgia Tech doesn't recalculate students' GPAs and therefore doesn't really have a proper incoming student GPA that we've identified. Um, instead, generally, if you're going to look at our academic profile, you're going to find students are receiving primarily A's or whatever their system's equivalent of an A is in more rigorous courses that are available to them at their high school. Um, 29% of our incoming students this past year were valedictorian or salutatorian. 90% were in the top 10%. Wow. So that sort of gives an idea of, of academically how that takes shape. So one more soapbox for you, standardized test scores. <laughs> so <laughs> last year, um, our enrolling SAT, I want to say it was around 1370 to 1520. Our average enrolling ACT was between like 31 to 35. And so I want to be totally candid with you. 
I didn't know these numbers until I looked them up last night when I was getting ready to talk to you today. Um, I had to go <laughs> on our common data set, actually. And that's because these aren't numbers, one, that are qualifiers. I don't have them in my head as I'm reviewing applications. And then two, um, we don't include standardized test scores on our admission material and profiles anymore. Um, so I don't, I don't typically see them. Students don't typically see them. And I think singularly hiding, highlighting them in that way back in the day seemed to overstate their importance um, and led to them really playing an oversized role in the mind of applicants. So case in point here, um, the question I'm almost always asked is the middle 50% of scores or average scores or academic profile of enrolling students. But in all of my admission days, I still have not been asked by a single student what our applicant average is or maybe, but less likely, what our denied student average is. Um, because if anyone was to ask me that, they would hear me say <laughs> that the averages are essentially the same. Wow. Um, and so if you if you think about it that way, right, applicants are generally scoring within a pretty narrow band of test scores. And so you can imagine that that means that test scores are not necessarily going to be a differentiating factor, certainly not the deciding factor. Um, and so you can see that when those profiles look so similar, there's not a higher proportion of higher scores among our enrolling students. So instead, of course, we place much higher value on course choice, performance, involvement, and impact outside the classroom. And so that's where we hope students are more so investing their time, their care, and um, their efforts. Well, that's a great explanation. And I love the question about the average profile of the students that weren't admitted. That's certainly extremely interesting, and I appreciate you sharing. <laughs> so, Samantha, what if, what if a prospective student falls a little below the current freshman average? What are some of the things they can do mm -hmm. to enhance their application? Yeah, I love that question because I, it brings to, to conversation one of those words that's sort of the if I had a dollar word, <laughs> holistic, right? Holistic application review process. Man, oh man, your juniors, your sophomores and, and beyond that are listening to that are going to probably get used to hearing that word all of the time. <laughs> and I know it generally means the same thing in concept from school to school, but it's applied differently from school to school and what's reviewed, what's considered important. Um, and so for us, maybe a, a student... Um, like you said, is a little bit lower within our academic profile, but really has incredible impact outside the classroom or has shared something in their essays that really bring to light that they are a great fit for who we are and what we're doing at Georgia Tech, right? So that is where those holistic, those non sort of quantifiable pieces of the application can come in that really can give us a sense of who the student is and what they're doing, um, you know, beyond the, beyond the classroom. Well, I really appreciate that. And I was curious, do you use the student's high school GPA as indicated on their transcript or do you recalculate using your own metrics? Oh, good question. Yeah. So we're going to use whatever is on the transcript. Um, the cases where we might recalculate is sometimes when a student switches high schools, if those uh, courses aren't brought into the new transcript and there's not really one singular GPA, we might do them that for them. 
or sometimes there's schools where a GPA is never really calculated at all. So those might be cases where we uh, recalculate a GPA, but otherwise standard practice is for us to use the GPA on the transcript because that then allows us to look at this document that schools send us called a school profile that tells us about how they um, weight GPAs and a little bit about sort of the academic calculations there. And we can use that GPA in, in context of, of what the school intended. Well, that's terrific. Thank you so much. Another part of the application is a student's activity sheet. What are some of the things you are looking for beyond the work they did in the classroom? Sure. So generally, I think, first of all, it's really important to say that this part of the application, what students are doing outside the classroom, has really looked different over the past few years, and that's okay, and that's normal. We expect that, and we're looking for that. So I, I just want students who've felt that impact to know that that's, that's very normal, and they'll have the opportunity when they get to that application to tell us a little bit about that if they choose to. So the way that actually when you hear a Georgia Tech admission counselor talk about work outside the classroom, they're not necessarily going to call it extracurriculars. We're going to use this phrase called contribution to community. And sometimes you might accidentally catch us um, abbreviating if we forget to explain it. So if you hear us say C2C, that's contribution to commu <laughs> community. Um, and the reason why we say it that way is because I feel like whenever we used to talk about um, students' involvements purely as saying the word like extracurriculars, students really focus on that curricular piece. And so they're telling us what they're doing about in things that are connected to the high school, student organizations, things like that. Really, what your Georgia Tech admission counselor is looking for is in the larger sense, what communities are you a part of, having impact in, and a really a more well-rounded sense of what you're doing with your time when your time is your own, right? Where, What are you excited about? What are you spending time in? And so that can mean a lot of things for students. Sure, that can be their school organizations, but that can also mean things happening around their town, private organizations, service organizations, certainly. Um, and then also definitely within the past few years, we've seen students pick up more hobbies at home and really have an impact in their home um, as they've been, had to spend a little bit more time there, um, especially in the earlier stages of the pandemic. So that's sort of how we look at that. The lens at which we look through really all of the things that we're talking about today um, is through our motto and our mission. And so we generally say mission drives admission, right? So while schools can have similar admit rates and similar things that they're looking at, it's those institutional priorities. It's the things that that the school is, is important to them and who they are that really separates the way that the lens in which they're looking at students and shaping that class. So to give a sense for students who are interested in Georgia Tech, our motto is and has always been progress and service, right? So looking forward with a vision, um, creating change, but bringing those around you with you. And so that's certainly something that we can look at in uh, this contribution to community review. Um, our mission, right, uh, creating leaders who advance technology, improve the human condition, right, again, creating change, bringing 
uh, humans, right, the world around you forward. And so you're going to see those patterns over and over in who we are. And so we hope to see a little bit about that in, in when students are telling us about who they are and what they're doing as well. Well, I appreciate the fact that you talk about the motto, progress and service. And I would imagine that one way that a student could help their chances is to talk about their own progress and service, relating it to the Georgia Tech motto. Sure, yeah. So let's skip to the college essay. Mm -hmm. What are some examples of college essays that really stuck with you? In other words, when you read them, you thought, this student has to attend Georgia Tech. <laughs> sure. And I think this is such a great time of year to talk about this because students in the next few months are going to start uh, writing or at the very least brainstorming. And I know sometimes the hardest part of that is coming up with that topic. Man, right? In reality, when your Georgia Tech admission counselor is looking at your essay, they're not really necessarily, they're definitely not focusing on the prompt that you choose. They're not necessarily focusing on the topic that you choose. What's most critical to them is what they take away from, uh, about you, right? So if you think of your application, like chapters of a book, right, what, what story can you tell within that essay? What can we learn about you that isn't elsewhere in the application? Um, and, and what can we learn about who you are? Um, you can do that really sort of with any topic, big or small. It doesn't have to be climbing Mount Everest. It doesn't have to be performing heart surgery. And so one of my favorite examples of this was from a few years back. So you'll have to forgive me, John, if I forget some of the details here. But there was this student. <laughs> um, she was in a hotel room, had a few containers. You know those like metal round takeout containers from like Italian spots? Sure. Sure. So Absolutely. Yeah, those are great, right? So she had a few of those, but no microwave in the hotel room, right? Oh, dear. So she couldn't heat up her leftovers. Um, so what she ended up doing was she put all of her food into one of those metal containers, used the coffee pot in the room to boil up some water, put that in the now empty second container, and put the food container over the water container to essentially create herself a little double boiler. Uh, use the hairdryer in the room to melt, I think there was some sort of cheese sauce situation on top of the food. <laughs> Somehow used a clothing hanger, but it's been a few years, so I'm forgetting that detail, right? So essentially, again, not climbing Mount Everest, not performing heart surgery, but man, oh man, in that small essay about how she solved a problem of, of heating up her food that one night, did we learn a lot about the way she thinks? She's totally going to be one of those students that comes on campus and uses that makerspace that we talked about or does those uh, entrepreneurship work or innovation competitions that we talked about, right? So we learned about her. And so when I think when students are approaching the essay, they can almost work backwards in a sense sometimes if, if this works for them. Everybody's got their own writing style. But to think about what do you really hope that your admission counselor gets to take away from you or about you, I should say, here? And is there a good story topic or, or what have you that explains that, right? Because the takeaway, I think, is going to be the most important thing for us. Well, that's a great explanation, and I love that example. Thank you so much. Samantha, how important are letters of recommendations, and what are you looking for in those letters? Yeah. So 
For Georgia Tech, first, uh, logistically, we accept up to two letters of recommendation. So that's going to be one from a high school counselor and or one uh, from a teacher who's taught a student inside a classroom. And when I say inside a classroom, I don't necessarily mean inside a physical classroom. I just mean that the teacher should have seen the students in an academic sense. So physical or virtual classroom. Because the hope and what we're hoping to take away there uh, is a sense of who the student is from another adult's perspective, right? So who they are in the classroom as a problem solver, as a collaborator, um, how they address challenges and how they learn, right? There's a lot of great things that we can aim to learn about a student from those letters. It uh, doesn't have to be a math or science teacher because really any teacher who knows a student well can speak to those things. And so it's not necessarily, again, about what the student's done. We're going to see that transcript, but it's going to be really more so learning a little bit about who the student is. Now, I know there's a little bit of consternation over the past few years about letters of recommendation because those interactions between students and teachers looked really different um, over the course of virtual learning. And students' access to their counselors in high school really varies from high school to high school. And that's something that we're seeing more of um, over the years where I believe sort of the the national recommendation for counselor to student ratio is typically about one to 250, where typically nationwide, it, it gets up more so into the average of a 450 student range. And so Absolutely, that can mean that students might not be able to get a letter of recommendation from a high school counselor. And what I think is important for them to know is that that is okay for us. So they're not required. They're appreciated when they're received. But the most important perspective and the most important voice in a student's application is what they can tell us on their own. And so a letter of recommendation is really just going to serve to support and confirm that, that hearing from the student is the most important thing. Well, that's a great explanation. Thank you so much. And speaking of the student, what about courses in progress and senior year grades? How do you use those in the overall application process? Sure. So to date, Senior year grades, midterms haven't necessarily been required for our applicants. Um, They might more so come into play when students are deferred from early action review to regular decision review and they'll have the opportunity to submit updated transcripts. Or if students apply straight away to regular decision, they may be able including senior year grades as well. But we know, you said that the magic words there, those are courses in progress, right? They're not the full story yet. And so that means that if, you know, there's a a little bit of a blip at that midterm point, that's okay because we're going to see more of the story come out in the work that students have truly completed over that first three years. So over that time, I know a a little bit earlier we talked about GPA, but what our review actually is, is not so much focused on the GPA. It's focused on the individual coursework. So over the past three years and into whatever you selected in your senior year schedule, 
How have students challenged themselves? Where have they selected rigor and what seems to be sort of their interests and patterns there? Um, how has students' academic performance looked over the past few years? Again, patterns there as well. So we're going to see a much larger story. And while senior year grades can, can play a small role in that, um, on their own, they're typically not going to, to move the needle because just like you said, work in progress. <laughs> well, thank you so much again for that explanation. And Samantha, in closing, what are the top three pieces of advice you would give a student and their parents who are getting ready for the college admissions process? Yeah. So I think for students getting ready, they need to know and they need to anticipate that they'll have to be okay with controlling what they can control. Control what you can control. And man, is that easier said than done, right? <laughs> but I think there's so often a lot of focus on what happens in admission review rooms that you'll never see or you'll never be in. And that's okay. That's natural. That curiosity is is again, natural. And it might mean that you're really focusing on making sure that you're putting your best foot forward towards what's being reviewed in those rooms. Um, but at the end of the day, there's a lot that you can focus on that's in your control as well, right? So starting there and what I just said, what sort of application you're presenting, what sort of colleges that you're applying to. And then of course, what when that application decision comes back, where you're attending and how you're showing up to that school in the fall, right? So when we're talking about control in the admission process, there's a lot of focus on what we're doing at admission counselors, but for the majority, right, of decisions, the ball is actually going to be in the student's court. And so I know that it can feel confusing and overwhelming and a little bit vulnerable, right? When there are these pieces that you can't control, but the really great news is there's still that a lot that you can. And so I hope that students really lean into focusing on that. The second thing for parents, this is a little bit cheating, but it's almost within the same lens, right? And in the, in the sense of this control is keeping perspective on how you can be a really great support system in the college admission experience for your student. And where parents many times and guardians many times have spent their student's life as really in a, in a managing role, getting to really... Um, leads that that student through um, all sorts of growth over their past 17, 18 years. What's really now a great opportunity is they get to partner with that student and see that student really shine and come into their own. Um, and so again, thinking about what in terms of control, what they want to see their student grow into, I think a great way to think about that is who do you want your student to become while they're in college, right? What skills do you want them to develop? Do you want them to become a really independent adult who's uh, leading and creating decisions and um, making great choices for themselves? And how can you create opportunities to practice that? in the college admission process, right? How can you create opportunities for them to be the one making decisions, making calls and, and doing these things for themselves? And let me tell you, it sounds a little bit scary and it's a big adjustment, but man, when you get to watch your student do those things and grow, is it the coolest thing? 
right? So thinking about <laughs> how you can make that shift to maybe like manager to consultant, right? Thinking about how controlling what you control, control how that shifts um, in the year ahead is important for both student and parent. So that's sort of a two-in-one deal. And John, I'm totally going to cheat here for this third <laughs> suggestion because it's almost like when a genie asks you if you get three wishes and your third wish is for more wishes. <laughs> for more advice, I think one great thing that students can do if any of this was helpful today um, is at the beginning, I mentioned that we have a podcast too. Do you mind if I plug it a little bit here? Is that okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so okay. my third one is lots more pieces of advice. And so we have a Thai <laughs> um, podcast called the College Admission Brief. So it's about 10 to, or I should say maybe closer to 15 to 20 minute episodes uh, that we do at Georgia Tech but is not focused on Georgia Tech. So you heard me a little bit today diving into my comfort zone, which is more so like admission theory, um, not necessarily admission practice at education, but how do these things work and how does that play into what we do? That is totally what we're doing over on the college admission brief all the time um, because we really want it for students to be not just those who are interested in Georgia Tech, but students who want to learn about the admission process overall. So for example, um, and I should say parents too, the episode that we're going to uh, record tomorrow is for parents of juniors. So lots more advice uh, to be had there. Thank you for, for letting me say talk about that real quick because that's Absolutely. been a labor of love here. <laughs> Absolutely. And I can't wait to listen to it myself. <laughs> oh, great. Great. Well, Samantha, thank you so much for your time, your insight, your advice. We really appreciate it as we know that this is going to help so many students and their parents. Thank you again so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap.